0: Peace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is still coming. Amen. Scary, isn't it, brothers and sisters in Christ? The other night as I lie in bed, check my closing messages. Was it 127 killed in France by another radical Islamist attack? Now well, they didn't deliberately target Christians, but you hear that Christianity is being extinguished in the Middle East by such people. Islam has constantly been a thorn in the side of Christianity since it arose. It seems like the church is being defeated, doesn't it? Oh, we don't have to look at radical Islamism. Look at the news today, and we hear Hollywood actors speaking out about how much they resent Christians. God forbid we teach a morality or that we say something about sins forgiven why we are backwards people doesn't it seem like the christian church is being stomped out and then we read out of our epistle lesson first Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18 in verse 17 we're told after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet forever but in our gospel lesson, according to St. John, as recorded in chapter 5, we were told that we will be judged, verse 29, those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. If I want this eternal glory thing, I've got to do good, it seems. Doesn't it seem like that's what it's saying? But I, I like you, I have this sinful nature, and he's a jerk. He lies. He lies. He whispers things in my ear. He says, it's okay. And then I commit the sin and he says, how dare you? How? How can I do enough good to possibly counter out the balance of the bad? It's a perpetual cycle. Well, that's where our text comes in today. We find out it isn't. In fact, we're told that Christ has already won the victory. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 through 18 tells us, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, every day we sin. And so there was a picture in the temple. Every day sacrifices were made. Every day and the blood flowed. Every day the message was the wages of sin is death. And if that were the end of the story, we would be in trouble. But no, those sacrifices were meant to point to one sacrifice. the one that takes away the sins of the world. And so we're told, and each priest stands by day and day in order to officiate. He did his priestly duties. And and in order to offer sacrificial offerings over and over again, which are never able to remove sins. All those sacrifices did not remove sins. The only thing that changed was the face. If you were a Levite and your term was up, you would go back home and the next watch would come in to do their duties. Over and over again. Sin, sin, sin. Never removing sin. Only meant to point out how much we sin, that we truly are dead, that we need a Savior. But here comes the wonderful words. Verse 12. In contrast, this priest, we're talking about Christ, our high priest, offered a sacrificial offering in order to atone for sins for all time. And he sat down at the right hand of God. Christ lives his life perfectly for you. He dies for you. He rises victorious and he ascends to heaven where he rules over all creation for you. Proof. And therein is the victory. Apart from Christ, we are slaves to the devil. That's all we can do. We can be slaves to the devil. But when the Holy Spirit comes with that good news that Christ has lived in our place, died in our place, rules now for us, he enters our heart and makes us believe, and the chains to our slavery are broken. We are united to Christ in a mystical union, and the victory is made ours used to worry when I was a child. What if the devil gets his sucker punch in? Because my sinful nature every day gets its sucker punches in, and therefore I sin. Not the case. Cannot happen. The devil was created by God, originally holy. He cannot defeat God. And when Christ died on the cross... The devil was defeated. See, his greatest power he has over you and I is to say, there's the sin, this one belongs to me. But the blood of Christ washes the sin away. What are you talking about? (sighs) There's the sin, this one belongs to me. And it's erased again. We are no longer slaves to the devil. He's defeated. The war is won. There are a few battles. But in the long scheme of things... They're done. The victory is ours. Jesus defeated death. You and I have a new person that is eternally alive and is not going to hell. Death has been defeated. The world that fights against Christ, it's fighting a losing battle because the victory is already won. Christ rules victorious over creation. Those things, the devil, the world, death, they have to serve his holy purposes. He makes them work for your and my good. In the very last verse here is a great comfort for us in this little section, verse 13. Since then, he is expectantly awaiting until the time when his enemies are placed as a footstool for his feet. In Roman times, if a general went out uh, to, to, to fight against another army, after he defeated him, the general was put in chains and he was brought back to Rome and eventually there would be a victory parade where that uh, defeated general marched in front of the parade to his humiliation. This is the picture. Christ is already ruling for you and I. He's already run the victory. Judgment Day when he returns... It's simply when that victory is made visible. We're told his enemies will be made his footstool. There is something humiliating, brothers and sisters in Christ, about being made a slave in which you have to get down on your hands and knees while the one who beat you rests his feet on you. How much more humiliating can that be? That is Judgment Day. That is saints triumphant. Those who are persecuting the church now, they think they're doing glory to Allah. Wait until they suffer the humiliation. They are fighting a losing battle because the war has been won. Those in America who would like to blabber their mouths about how Christianity is such a terrible thing, never mind the fact that more hospitals, orphans, and these things have been taken care of by Christians, ignore all that. They will one day, they will either be converted and become believers or they will suffer this humiliation. The victory has already been won. These things in the scheme of things are minor skirmishes. It may appear that the visible church is being beat down, but Christ is ruling in our place. And in fact, we find in Christian history that when the church is persecuted the most, it is growing the most. We see Christ ruling. And so we see Christ has already won the victory. His enemies have been defeated. The devil cannot lay his claim on you. Death is a temporary thing because Christ rose, your soul is going straight to heaven, and he will raise your body. His enemies have been defeated, and they will be utterly humiliated. So, the ones we worry about... Told, Don't have to worry about them. They've been defeated. So let's focus on you and I and see how Christ's victory works for you personally. Verse 14, we're told, In fact, by one offering, He has brought to their goal for all times those who are being set apart for God's holy purposes. We often translate this, those who are holy, those who are sanctified. The verb used here is the same verb when something was used in the temple. It was set apart to be used for God's purposes. It was no longer for the earthly, for the mundane. That's what happened. When Christ died on the cross, God had planned it before all creation that he would be dying for you that he would be rising for you. And God planned that you would hear his word and his Holy Spirit would enter your heart and create a new man who is alive in Christ. That new person that the Holy Spirit has given birth to has set you apart for God's holy purposes. Whatever you do in this life, husband, wife, uncle, aunt, sister, brother, student, Mechanic, oil field worker, nurse, let me name all the vocations. No, we don't have enough time. You are set apart in that vocation for God's holy purposes. His glory shines out. You are alive in him now. So, in our gospel lesson back there in John, when Jesus says that we'll be judged by our works, those who have done good, here's the comfort While we have a sinful nature, that Holy Spirit having given birth to that new person, he's created a new person in you. That new person is connected to Christ like a branch to a vine. He is created to glorify God and do good works. As Luther had said, we don't have to tell the sun to shine. God created it to do just that. So good works are the evidence of your faith. Of the new person in you. It's not the good works that save us. It's we are saved. The Holy Spirit's in our heart. We're connected to Jesus as our brother, as a branch to the vine. We have this new person. is connected to the Father. It is His glory. And when we do good works, that glory is seen in this sinful world. And when Christ returns, He's going to give us a new and glorified body. He's going to rip free that rotten, sinful nature of ours. And His glory will be seen for all eternity as we live with Him in paradise. So, how can we believe this? Well, the author of the Hebrews points to the Old Testament, to Jeremiah. He says, now the Holy Spirit also keeps on bearing witness for us. In fact, after He has said, this is the covenant, namely which covenant I will make in regard to them after these days, says the Lord. I am bestowing my laws upon their hearts and I will engrave them upon their minds. And their sins and their lawlessness I will never remember again. The old covenant was with Israel. You remain faithful to God as an entire nation and he'll keep you sovereign and independent and you will shine with worldly glory uh, uh, with the coming of Christ. They didn't keep it. But the covenant that saves is this one. Christ lives in your place. Christ dies in your and my place. Christ rises victorious. He puts his Holy Spirit in our hearts. And this is this new man that the Holy Spirit has given birth to that's inside of us. This is how the law is written in us. He cannot help but to do good. He's created to do so. Now, yes, we have a sinful nature every day that gets his sucker punches in. We don't have to tell our new man that God wants us to be honest, that God wants us to love him, that God wants us to love our neighbors. He does it. God has created that in us. So we don't have to fear about the doing good. God has worked that in us. The good works are just evidence of, of that new man that's alive. And again... We look forward to the time when our sinful nature will be ripped away. But in the meantime, that sinful nature sure does lie. He fights against the new man. He hates our baptism because it kills him and drowns him. The new man smacks him around all the time. So he gets his sucker punches in in the fight and we fall into sin. What are we to do? Wonderful comfort. Verse 17, and their sins and their lawlessness I will never remember again. The words used, first word generic sin, the other word lawlessness. When we sin, we act as if we are above God, above his law. But Christ's blood in this new covenant wipes it away. God doesn't remember it. And here's the comfort for you and I as we look towards Saints Triumphant, towards Judgment Day. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, that sins and lawlessness, also sins, there is no longer offering concerning sins. If God doesn't remember our sins, if the blood of Christ has removed them forever, we don't have to make up for our sins. We don't have to atone for them. We don't have to listen to that sinful nature and its lies saying, You haven't been good enough. You haven't done enough. You'll have to try harder. It's all gone. Christ has removed it. Christ won the victory. I stand back in awe. If Christ doesn't return in 40 years, the sins I'm going to commit in 40 years were forgiven 2,000 years ago. The same can be said for you, already forgiven. You say, well, then how do what keeps us from sinning? The new man in us that God has created, naturally. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, judgment day for us is a day of triumph. The invisible church of which you and I are members will be made visible and we will receive all the promises. So we see Christ's victory on that cross 2,000 years ago. It's all—it's already won the victory for us. Christ's enemies have been defeated and they will be utterly humiliated. We will see that on Judgment Day, saints triumphant. Christ's victory places you in the invisible church. You're there now. And on Judgment Day, saints triumphant you with all believers will be made visible and the glory of God that has been put in you in that new creation will shine forth. Thanks be to the victory Christ won for us. Amen. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.